crazy. It both feels like it's flying by, and then also like it's been forever. I can't believe, I still remember the first like two weeks of doing this, I was like, I, it, feels, it feels so innocent now. I was just playing yeah. video games like every day for the first week, because I was like, oh sick, just like a week off from everything. <laughs> right, it was like, oh, we'll break and then we'll go back, and it'll be, it'll be great. Yeah. Like we were waking up, I remember we, I was like rolling out of bed at like nine, and then immediately getting on Minecraft. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I would. I remember like being in my bathroom downstairs at like eleven o'clock playing Minecraft with you and Derek and others, but mostly Derek, and just being like, I don't feel bad about this at all. Like I had no shame playing Minecraft mm. until like one in the afternoon because it was just like, what else am I gonna do? Yeah. <laughs> and now it's like, yeah. it's so horrible. Now I have to question every action I make. And so I I see these Facebook posts sometimes that are like, if you're measuring yourself by your productivity during a pandemic, you're thinking about it wrong. In the first month, I was like, that's so right. And now I'm just like, you can't, I can't keep telling myself this. I can't do this anymore. I can't keep lying. Yeah, it's true. I mean, people are are so black and white with that too, though. It's like either you got to get on your hustle or it's like, you don't have to be productive at all. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like, uh, well, yeah. something. You got to do something. I don't know. Kill yourself. <laughs> I don't know which one I hate more. I know. I feel like get on your hustle is just like more classically like like douchey that it's just like you can easily point to that and just be like, all right, that's dumb anyway. Fuck that. But right, right. The one that's like, it's like, you know, don't feel bad about not doing anything is like such a nice sentiment until it's don't feel bad about not doing anything for eight months. Yeah, it's like not the healthiest thing. (laughs) Not the healthiest thing. Yeah, but hey, we're doing this. This is um. Welcome back to Talkie Talk, guys. Welcome back, guys. (sighs) Today, this episode, we're gonna confront our mortality. We're thinking of ending things. Oh, (laughs) that's the movie. That's the movie. Wow. So this week, crazy. That was like the lamest fucking intro we've ever done. Whatever. It's ten o'clock. This week. All right, guys, bear with us here. All right, so this week uh, I watched uh, I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Um, it was written and directed by Charlie Kaufman, who uh, also did, he did Eternal Sunshine, right? That's him? Yeah, I think he wrote and, um, I don't know if Synecdoche, New York. And that movie's great. That movie's great. Haven't seen it. Um, no and some other stuff, probably. <laughs> yeah, Anomalisa. Oh, being, being John Malkovich. Yes. Yes. Good guy. I like him. What did, what did you pick? Well, Nate, as uh, I'm sure all of our viewers know now, because we're such such a nice company. More than ever, we are here for you. I picked Persepolis. It came out in 2007. IMDb states that a precocious and outspoken Iranian girl grows up during the Islamic Revolution. And that's, yeah, that's that's close enough. That's pretty, that's a pretty good way of putting it. Yeah. So I didn't, I knew nothing about this movie uh, when I recommended it. I just knew that I had seen, it was really heavily advertised in Video Horizons for some reason, which was interesting. Which was our old haunt where you could go and rent DVDs and VHSs back in the day when you could still do that. I miss that place I so miss much. That, oh my god. It was Dude, it, video like, games too. It was just nice. Oh yeah, I never, I never got into the video game part of it, but I remember it was like it was that it was, it was that nice little uh, cozy without being claustrophobic. You know what I mean? Like yeah. It was small and like densely packed, but it was just. It's almost like those so many movies. Those like liminal spaces videos. Almost, yeah. But but like cozy version of that. Yeah, dude. 
I could have dreamt that place. And <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't know the difference. Yeah. So it felt kind of like I, I saw something about it before I recommended it. And it, remi- it brought like all those memories back to me. It was just like, man, this poster was hanging in Video Horizons for like two years for some reason. I have no That's idea so why. Funny. I just love this movie. I, I don't know, I guess. But yeah. So that's why I was like, okay, I should probably watch this. And it's like a big epoch coming to a close. Mm. I guess. So, but yeah, it's uh, written by, it's based on a comic actually by Marjan Satrapi. Um, so she, I th- it's a memoir basically, uh, based off of Marjan Satrapi's life, I'm sure with a few creative liberties, I think. 100% true. Yeah, all of it happened. And it was directed by Vincent Paronad and uh, also Marjan Satrapi. So she, you know, she's got her fingers in multiple stink piles on this one. Okay. Um. So yeah, it's a French. So movie. she she wrote the comic and uh, co-directed the movie. Is what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. So it's, cool. Yeah. So it's, it's a French movie, but it's you know about Iran. She's a not so much a refugee, I suppose you could argue that, but she is an emigrant from Iran to France, and it tells her story. Mm. Persepolis. I'm thinking of ending things. I didn't read the description for it, um, but IMDb. Says, full of misgivings, a young woman travels with her new boyfriend to his parents' secluded farm. Upon arriving, she comes to question everything she thought she knew about him and herself. Kind of. I feel like that movie is a hard one to write a, a synopsis for. Yeah. Because it sort of is that. It's just kind of like... But also entirely not that at the same time. DMT without the colors. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> I was, do you want to start with that one? Do you want to start with... Um... Yeah, I, I really don't. It don't matter to me. Okay. Um, that one, that's probably the weirdest, I don't know about the weirdest, but like the least accessible Charlie Coffin movie yet, I think. What other ones have you seen by him? Uh, I've seen Eternal Sunshine. I've seen, uh, Schenectady, New York. Um, I've seen Being John Malkovich. Oh, so you're, you're a fan. Yeah, I like him. I like him. Cool. Yeah, I have only seen Eternal Sunshine. Yeah, that one's probably like his, his most accessible, I would say. Yeah. I don't, I'm not sure. Which if isn't a bad thing because I love that movie. But yeah, I don't know if he directed it either. Let's find out. No. No. But I think he wrote it. Who directed it? Uh, he Michael, did write it. Michael Gondry. I don't know who that is. Time to find out. Uh, at the same time, though, I did really like it. I guess first I want to just uh, try to get to uh, a shared understanding of this movie because <laughs> it was definitely very yeah, ambiguous. Doubtful. So, okay. My impression of it uh, by the end was that it was that it was really Jake's story and that it was him. I don't want to say fantasizing, but sort of like it's this like alternate reality for Jake. If if that woman had agreed to go out with him, which I'm reading right now, I didn't even realize uh, there's no she doesn't have a name. I don't think. Yeah, I only knew that. Because in Amazon, she's just a young woman with subtitles, yeah. and I watched it with subtitles. Why? Because it was quiet. Oh, yeah, it was. <laughs> so. um, and then it had very loud parts. Yeah, too. yeah, I mean. But, and I mean, that kind of uh, makes me think this even more, the fact that she doesn't even have a name. Mm-hmm. Because there's that scene towards the end where, I forget exactly what they say, but basically it, she's looking for him inside the school, and then he's like, oh, well, what did he look like? And then she starts saying, like, I don't know what he looks like, like, I he came up to talk to me this one time and like starts going to this whole thing that just breaks like what we've had so far mm-hmm. where it seems like she barely knows him and describes him like being creepy and coming up to her and being obsessed with her. Um, and I think he was the janitor. Yeah, I was 
I was getting a strong vibe that at least there was trying to be like a huge comparison drawn between him and the janitor, but it felt like it felt like it was supposed to be him, like either his possible future or like a representation of his future where he's alone. I felt like that was what I was getting from the janitor. Okay. I was thinking it the other way around, that it was the janitor looking back and using this personification of this girl that I think rejected him to, I guess, explore his suicidal thoughts. That was my understanding of it. Hmm. Because at the end, I think, again, my, inter- I mean, it is so ambiguous that I think yeah. it's up in the air. But um, when he's like in the car, my impression of that was that he like died, like he got snowed in and like died. I'm not, yeah, I, I, it's hard to try and like pick which scenes were, you know, more grounded in reality and which scenes are more not, you know? Yeah, because it did, it, with this one, it did seem like they were going for that. Like, unlike other, like, you know, Mulholland Drive, where it's just all... Not real. <laughs> you know, it, it just all is what it is, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, this, it seemed like they were trying to draw a line, but were kind of coy about it, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, I'm, yeah. So do you think that he never went out with the girl or do you think that he did bring her home to his parents and it didn't work out? And then this is like an exploration of it. I think it, I think they never went out because when she starts talking to him in the school, I forget exactly what she says, but it's, it's something along the lines of like, oh, it's this creepy guy who was like always looking at me and I didn't want to, um, I might've, I might've written it down. Um, and my notes for this movie are like schizophrenic. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but basically, yeah, she's like describing like this this dude that was just the story that that he tells, if I'm remembering correctly, because it's been a few weeks. Right. Um, the story that he tells um, at the dinner table or that she tells at the dinner table. Yeah. She recounts that story. But it but in her version, once she's in the school, they don't actually talk to each. They don't. After that bar scene, they don't talk to each other ever again. Yeah, it's. It's hard to say, like, which avenue that's trying to go down, I feel like, because to me, when I watched that at first, I felt that it was kind of like an indication of how her attitudes had changed to the relationship at when it reached the point that it had, like, kind of become no longer fruitful and she couldn't, like, hide mm. from the fact that she hated it. Because I feel like as the thing goes on, I felt it was almost like a more condensed version of just the entirety of their relationship. But I, I, I think that it's... In that scene, you know, she's kind of trying to come to terms with the fact that, like, she, you know, I I think she's, like, dancing around with the idea that, like, she could have, you know, prevented the whole thing from happening if that were really true. She could have, like, you know, done things differently. And now, in the end, when she realizes that, that, you know, she should have spoken up sooner, she's trying to, like, blame him for being, like, completely controlling, which I think Mm. she kind of, like, wields... In that moment, she's kind of like, yeah, he's so controlling. Like, of course I had to go out with him. Like, what am I supposed to do? Like... There's, you know, she's she's kind of blaming like the whole situation and like society at large for her getting in this like shitty situation that is kind of like, I feel like that's what that whole moment before the high school is kind of feels like to me is just the moment where like, it's obviously the breaking point, but she's also realizing that like, I think she's trying to come to terms with the fact that she, you know, should have spoken up much sooner if she wanted to end things. And now it's like almost too late to end things or or it's much more disastrous to end things. Right. Yeah. I can see that too. I can, I can definitely see that too. It's just like a full reversal, like her, her like going to uh, a place that is like sort of detached from reality. Like she's trying to pull away from it so much that she's like going to the opposite extreme. Yeah. Well, she's just, she's like painting it in a much more negative light to try and like 
cope with the fact that it probably could have been a better relationship if either of them like was smarter about it and then it just was a disaster because they're both just clearly like not communicating at all right it's it's so up in the air yeah and i I do think that like i don't know i go back and forth on this because i really do like ambiguous movies but i also i want there to be like a little bit of, of something to it but i do feel like this is one of those movies that even if you don't get it or like you don't know exactly what's going on it does feel like charlie kaufman had an idea of what he wanted to do with it so it doesn't feel like it's just like, you know, it doesn't feel like some like student art film where it's just like, yeah, and it's just like, you know, we, and then it snows because, you know, right. <laughs> why not? It, it felt right. it felt purposeful. And I think even though I, you know, I mean, I'll definitely be watching it again to try and pick up on more stuff because I think that you know, yeah, it's for just sure. one of those movies that makes sense to do that with. But yeah, now I'm trying to, th- I'm really trying to. Okay, so yeah, I think it's weird because I think the emotional journey of the movie was good. And I think it it pulled me in and was very uncomfortable and stressful to watch. Especially the farm scene was just like there was nothing really horror-ish happening except for the like time stuff. But it, like there's this feeling of dread the whole time I was watching that scene that just never really it, it never really came to a catharsis of any sort. It's just like yeah. the dread was just there and intensified, and then they left. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Like, you never got to release that feeling, I felt like. Yeah. I think from that perspective of just being, like, very unsettling and taking you on this, like, very weird journey that has you questioning reality, and, and I think that was cool on its own, and, like, the imagery that it was using. I think all that was cool on its own, even if I don't 100% understand the, like, plot to it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like we were saying, I, I think I think there is an objective reality in this one. And I almost feel like it was a little too coy about it. Mm-hmm. Because like, you know, again, behind Drive, if you want to go fully non-objective reality, then cool. Like, I'm, I'm just going to look at it on those terms. But with this, it seemed like you were supposed to like figure... It, it seemed like there was a puzzle that you were supposed to figure out with this one. Yeah. See, I... I, I like that a lot. I, I, it's almost funny because I, I almost feel like, I don't know if there is, I think there is actually an objective reality. I'll agree with you on that. But I, I, I do think that like, I don't even think that it becomes too coy with it. But there are actually some times that I think it's like too blatantly abstract for me that I actually don't. That's the, those are some of the aspects of it that I don't like as much. Like at, uh, at what point? I really liked the scene at the ice cream stand. And I didn't like the recurring whispering when the ice cream stand was brought up or like something about the ice cream stand was brought up when it just says like, come with me. When the ice cream stand bag is shown at first when the janitor is driving and then and then when the billboard pops up. I might have missed that. I might have, like, was it really low in the mix? I don't know. I had subtitles on, so it didn't, didn't matter to oh, me. Oh, right. But I think I might have just not heard it. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's possible. Um, but it, that kind of stuff, I, I just don't like, Mm -hmm. I I have to say, like, I really like very strange symbolism that becomes diegetic when you understand the movie more. Right. I, I'm I'm not too much of a sucker for things that are just blatantly like, like kind of detached from the movie. Like, like, like the whispering doesn't really happen like ever. That's the thing that annoys me is it's just like, Mm -hmm. like I like when I first saw the trailer for this and I saw the scene, which Spoiler alert is probably also my favorite shot of of the janitor going down the hallway and there's the two kids like practicing Oklahoma in the background. 
mm-hmm. and it looks very abstract. When I saw the trailer, I was like, man, that is really cool. And like, I, I wonder if that's going to be just like the surreal moment that's detached or if it's going to factor in. And I like that it has that lead up that like these kids are grounded in reality because they're practicing Oklahoma. This janitor's grounded in reality because he's a character in the movie and he's been introduced and we understand the setting, but you mix all those diegetic and like kind of non-fictiony feeling things together in that one moment. It becomes mm-hmm. this very surreal moment, and it feels very strange and inhuman. Even though it is in, in reality, even like just the yeah. way, yeah, the I way it's presented that. feels very surreal. But when you have like this shot of a bag, and then just like this whisper of like "Come join me," that you later learn is the jingle of the thing. Like that doesn't do it for me as much because even though it technically becomes like quote unquote diegetic because the jingle is something that appears in the universe, that right. that whisper that utters the jingle is is beyond the fourth wall basically and that i don't like that kind of thing so much yeah i mean it that was a long tangent i think it depends no no, i I get what you're saying but i think it depends on on what the, the intention was for like if it was him like fantasizing this alternate reality and like coming to terms with suicidal thoughts like if it is just like fantasy for him you know maybe thinking of the image of that bag like brings when he remembers the jingle it's a more when he thinks the jingle it's a more menacing thing you know what i mean like it's it depends if that was supposed to be like happening Mm -hmm. or not because if that was the objective reality and then they just throw the whispering on top of it then yeah that's what you're saying but if that was him as a old man extrapolating what his life would have been like i think it's different you know what i mean i mean I, but it's hard to know. There's no way to like argue against that though, which is which is like fine. But it is just kind of it, it, that that just kind of like the blatantness of it and the detached feeling of it made it feel like it was just kind of it felt free of the movie and 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 didn't, mm-hmm. didn't feel like it added much to it. Like having the shot yeah. of the bag and then feeling the recurring imagery of the stand would work just as well. And yeah. That I can, yeah. And the jingle alone, like just the words of it. Yeah. There is that, like you pick up on the like menacing. Yeah, exactly. Other meaning of it. Yeah. No, I definitely see that. It gets a little too much. Yeah. One part in general that to me did feel like a bullshit student film thing was the (laughs) dance thing that happens towards the end of the movie. (laughs) Yeah. Like the dance sequence. That is when it where it just lost me oh really yeah i, I was like i it, can't do this anymore <laughs> <laughs> i'm thinking of ending this movie <laughs> yeah exactly i don't know i i i just couldn't because the scene before too i thought was really good where she's talking to the janitor i thought you could almost end it there yeah i mean i like the stuff that happened after the dance sequence but after that scene it kept going i was like oh what are they gonna do next and then it was a dance sequence i was like okay i think <laughs> i think i'm set on that i think yeah, it, it's it's funny because I think that is kind of a see. So like I, it's so it's it's really hard to understand because I feel like I I agree with you because uh with the janitor thing because I do think the janitor is supposed to be like him in some respect and like right I, I viewed it as kind of like a future him that chooses to be alone which you know I I think there's evidence for like whatever you want to say about the janitor honestly but the what made me think about that in this scene too was that like he rips her away 
and like kind of has this like selfishness to him in the dance scene i think and then he kind of you know he kills like the younger self which is i think supposed to be this like kind of high school romanticized version honestly of like what a relationship is supposed to be yeah and from that scene i felt like it was like his idea of just like you know you end up alone anyway and you end up you know sad and lonely and and destitute and like this this isn't real like that kind of like holding caulfieldy bullshit but I felt like I got that just from the whole movie. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not saying... It's like, here's the movie, but now it's an interpretive dance. <laughs> yeah, I think, <laughs> I mean, there was also the other layer of it being kind of like, I don't know why Oklahoma is such a big thing in this, but it's like, yeah. you know, in the, in the... I liked it, though. Yeah, in the climax of Oklahoma, like, Judd tries to kill whoever the fucking main character is, and then he, like, falls on his own knife. Um, oh, I, didn't, I don't even know the, the musical that much. I just remember it from drama fucking nerd (laughs) but but so i was expecting him to do that because i thought they were gonna be like doing the oklahoma thing but then he ends up killing the good guy anyway flipping the script on the expectation of that scene i didn't even know that which was like kind of (laughs) cool but also it was just like (laughs) if you know if you yeah exactly that's what i'm saying if you don't know oklahoma like you (laughs) why you probably wouldn't like that scene as much but it's like that could be why that could be why but it's like I, I don't I don't know. Should you know Oklahoma to... Uh, okay, so here's the thing. If you want to do something like that in your movie, and I'm not going to try... Well, I kind of am. I, I feel bad like... Tell putting... Charlie. <laughs> Tell Charlie to his fucking face. Look, I, I'm not trying Charlie, to like... if you're going to put that in your movie, buddy. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't want to like put these like strict rules on film or anything because it's... Lay down the law. True. But I do think that like... There are hard and fast rules to film, Tyler. <laughs> but I think that if you are going to make something like rest on such a specific reference for like the understanding of, of the scene or something like that, it doesn't need to be like six to eight minutes long or however long the dance yeah, scene is. Yeah, right, right. Because it kind of hinges... That, that long scene hinges on that. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it was a little up its ass in some ways, similar to that, where the characters would just bring up like authors... Yeah. That I think just Charlie Kaufman likes. I'm glad you said that because this is something that I almost didn't like about... Well, actually, this movie reminded me a lot of... It reminded me a lot of Annie Hall, but I just like... I, there was a lot that I thought that Annie Hall actually did better <laughs> mm-hmm. than this in, in some senses. I just thought that um the the stuff that they're doing, like like in Annie Hall, I feel like when they when they do things like name drop or like talk about these really academic ideas, it never feels, it always feels kind of like shallow and like vapid and just like something right. that these people are doing to fill the time. Right. Like it's, it's, it's satirizing that pseudo intellectualism. Yeah. And this one, I, I think you could possibly make the argument for that too, because most of that conversation comes up when they're like in the car, just trying to kill time with each other. But I also feel like it's, it's just so present throughout so much of the movie yeah and is kind of the only thing going on in the scene whereas with annie hall there's usually a lot going on in terms of like something going on in frame or like some other aspect of the situation happening right in this movie they're just sitting in the car and having these horribly vapid conversations (laughs) yeah that was my thought i i wish i felt like he could have done a lot more with the car scenes yeah um and when it got to the point that they're just name dropping authors and like discussing the authors yeah it didn't even feel like it was trying to be like it felt almost genuine 
Like it didn't yeah. feel satirical. You know, it didn't seem like, oh, look at these guys. They're that's fucking, that's the thing. You know, it felt like, ooh, I've read all these books and let me. Yeah, how many how many you. times can you <laughs> wink at the audience? Basically, yeah, is, right. Is something that right. How how many times can you hold up the stack of books you read this year? <laughs> you know, <laughs> but I, I actually it's funny because I really did like that. I liked pretty much every aspect of the first car scene. Yes, the first one I did too. I really enjoyed it because I was like, dude, yeah, like. It was I, it was the same feeling that I had when we watched Once Upon a Time in the West, actually, with the opening scene mm. with, like, ten minutes and nothing was happening. And I'm like, yeah, can't we just have, like, ten minute long scenes of just, like, kind of nothing happening, but as long as it's good, it's good? Like, I yeah. love shit like that. Yeah. And then... I like, too, the, the car scenes. Like, they use so many different camera angles yeah. to keep it dynamic mm-hmm. and to convey, like, how the conversation was going. Yeah. So I like that a lot, too. Because you can take, it reminded me of uh, of um, 12 Angry Men in some ways, where it's like you use the camera to divide up a pretty confined space, and you can still, just through camera techniques, do a lot of the storytelling, even in the, just the same space. There was a moment where I wondered if the whole movie was just going to be in the car, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was kind of ready for it. Yeah. I was like, this could be interesting. I can fuck with it. Two hours, 20 minutes in the car. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that was super compelling, all that. And I, I feel like the second car scene, it did, that's when it started to drag a little bit for me. Yeah. Not drag. Uh, I was still invested, but it, that's when I started to feel like you could be doing more with this. Yeah. You know, it felt like it was falling too back, too far back on other material, um, and not standing enough on its own. It also just felt like, it, I think any of the car scenes separately without the existence of the others in the movie would all be fine, but it's just mm-hmm. that there's like three of them. And yeah, like, and there's they're each really long, and they're each kind of the same thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I feel like the second one was just not as good too. Yeah, yeah, you the know? yeah, I really, really loved the first one, especially because of just like the completely like disjointed way that they they have conversations and the way that it's edited too. Yeah, is is just really bizarre, and that she'll like give an answer to something that was like four lines ago and continue a conversation that that already happened but then like they'll drop the middle of the of whatever happened in between those two lines like it didn't happen yeah. and then they'll just like it feels like it's completely chronologically just like thrown at the wall and i really enjoyed that because it, it captures that feeling of like being trapped in a car for a long time with someone who maybe you don't have like the best chemistry with yeah i think honestly from that perspective you know kind of pushing the uh the grander um ideas aside for a second i felt like the movie, especially the beginning part of that movie, like the drive and farm scene were a really interesting way to convey that feeling of, I guess, the awkwardness and uncertainty of a new relationship. Yeah. And sort of like taking that idea of meeting the parents to being like an awkward situation to the uh, like craziest degree. It reminded me of a racer head actually in some ways. Yeah. yeah you know, when he meets their parents, really it's like similar, yeah. this absurd, horrifying Mm-hmm. view on this sort of normal thing that people go through so i like that a lot yeah and i guess the first car scene through the um farm scene was like my favorite chunk of the movie i think so too yeah i liked a lot of aspects of every part of the movie yeah and i liked a lot of stuff in like the the, the last part in the high school on its own but i just felt like the way that it tried to kind of coalesce everything in in that act and try and kind of make it it felt like it kind of fell apart a little bit um, yeah, I end. agree with that. But I an, another thing I really like about the first 
the half or so of it is I love the design of the house. Mm, it's, yeah. it's all these really like dark colors that are kind of, they, they change from like welcoming to unwelcoming just completely based on how they're lit. Like yeah. at, the, at the dinner table, it feels like really warm, although it is like an unsettling scene still. The just the orange light honestly like changes the colors completely and like how they feel mm. that like dark green wallpaper when because earlier when she arrives it's this like really chill lifeless blue light that's lighting things up and it feels like like a horror movie yeah and then they're sitting down at dinner and it warms up and it feels so if it just feels really warm and like it is an unsettling scene still but it yeah. does. That scene did feel a little bit like a respite from the rest of the whole first part where it was like, it it was interesting to see like the character flip too in that scene because I feel like up until that point, she's kind of dour and he's trying really hard and it's just not working. Mm -hmm. And then in that scene, she is gelling really well with the parents and and he's getting upset. And Mm -hmm. I, I really loved that because that's like a real... It feels really real. Like that's that's what happens sometimes in, in in those situations where like you you have this person who you've known for however much time, but you like know them well enough to feel intimate with them, and then when you see them interact with people, and they're just like someone completely different from the person who you love, and it's just like right, and, and it's like it's I felt like that really encapsulated that feeling of just that weirdness and how he is so strange and becomes kind of this estranged person in his own house now. In this scene, yeah. and then it becomes like this, like man child, which I want to say, <laughs> I kind of called earlier when we yeah, when we recommended this movie. The I baby was like, face, <laughs> dude, I want this Todd guy in like every movie I watch. He was on. great, dude. He was really good. He's he's a great. I was actor. a big fan. Yeah, I really liked him. Yeah, um, yeah, that scene was great too. It's just so uncomfortable. Just yeah. so there's so much tension just throughout that whole farm scene. Yeah, and just. And his parents, too, like, sort of overcompensating to try. It was really, like, sad and, like, pathetic, the whole scene, too. Because mm-hmm. it's like his, he clearly doesn't have a great relationship with his parents. So his parents are trying to overcompensate to impress his girlfriend. And she's trying to overcompensate to impress them. And he's just kind of uncomfortable with all of it and making it more uncomfortable for them by yeah. sort of pointing out... <laughs> the ingenuineness of it and just having a weird it was just so the, the whole dynamic just felt really like sick to me in a way yeah. like not sick but just like i guess sort of pathetic yeah that everybody's trying really hard and he's just like not he's like both not grateful for the fact that these people are trying to like do something good for him but he's like kind of also disgusted by it yeah it's it's like that that holding caulfieldy thing that uh that we were talking about earlier is just that idea that it's like you know, it all of a sudden like feels fake, even though it's just yeah. kind of like how people are that like, you're obviously not going to be the same person with everyone. Right. Right. And I think the performances too, um, they were like uh, Tony Collette, I thought was great. Yeah. And the way that hers was like just a little too much and the, everybody's performance in that, except for his was just a little over the top, but in a way that I felt like really worked Yeah, because it made clear that feeling of overcompensating when you're meeting somebody's parents or meeting somebody's girlfriend Mm-hmm. and just made it feel a little sinister almost i thought they all did a great job yeah i yeah i really enjoyed that whole scene the, yeah the, i don't know i feel like i've seen the actor who played the father before too but i don't know what from i think so too yeah but he's he was fantastic i really he was liked awesome. him yeah and yeah, yeah just, I, there you go 
I was just saying, I like how their performances change too. It's like they're aging. I was literally saying, yeah. yeah, I was going to say the exact same thing. <laughs> it was thing. so dynamic. Yeah. Like, I was going it, to say dynamic. <laughs> yeah. <there you> go. <laughs> That's the buzzword. Um, yeah. I, I, just a great job. And oh, one other thing before I forget, a shot that I really loved is like when that scene is ending, the camera's outside the door frame and then it pans so that the, that she, is only isolated like in the crack in the door like the angle mm-hmm. changes and then she's just isolated yeah and I, that's probably my favorite shot yeah i like that one a lot yeah that was great yeah it's 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 so funny too it it felt very like tennessee williamsy just with like the way that like one person would say like like they were gutting along really fine and then jake would say like one thing and then it would just like like everything would stop <laughs> Yeah, and then, right. Like, and then the, the dynamic would completely change, and then Jake would kind of be in control, but kind of still being this like man child. That's yeah. That's why I like with that whole like thread of like the man child feeling that you get from Jake. That's why I really like a lot of the stuff that happens in the later act. But mm-hmm. like, it just doesn't like as a whole. It doesn't feel like it. It, it leads up to something as. It feels like, like you said earlier, like it leans a little too much into the ambiguity to almost try and like shortchange itself. Yeah. You know? I can uh, agree with that. I think they could have, I, I think he could have tightened it up. I agree. I think most of the segments, except I didn't love the, the dance thing, but right. most of the segments I felt like were really good. Like all of it, I felt like was good, but mm-hmm. the way it was put together did feel a little off. Yeah. To me. Yeah. I, I loved, well, um, you know, I, I just feel like there's just, Again, like what I said earlier, like even though I, I prefer the first part of it more, there's still stuff in the second half that even though I didn't quite, I can't, I, I wouldn't be able to say strongly that I got it, quote unquote. Yeah, I right. still feel like I enjoyed it. Yeah. I really enjoyed that they go to the ice cream stand and then he kind of like forces her to go to the high school. I really, what I really liked about the ice cream stand and I feel like kind of gets reiterated in the high school is this like feeling that you get when you, when he's like, kind of trying to show her like these aspects of himself because he wants to communicate and like show like who he is and like where he came from but right. then they get there and he kind of doesn't end up liking what he's showing her yeah because they go to the ice cream yeah. stand and he's like i know this place i know these people this is oh i used to come here all the time and then they get there and he's like no these aren't the right people yeah. like they're not gonna <laughs> like me and then he just stands yeah. there like yeah. a, throwing a tantrum basically and it's so cool. I, I really yeah, like that aspect of I it. I think that part does um you can see that across the whole movie. Like where he's opening up his life to her and the more that he opens up, the more he realizes that he doesn't like it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean that that would work too, I think, from the idea that he is inventing this fantasy where he's like start like he's starting to, I guess, open up to himself. He's like having his existential thoughts and starts to open up to himself and the more he digs, the less he likes himself. Yeah. So I can see that too. From that, I think it works in multiple ways. So I think that thread that that's really well said, and I think that actually just made some things click for me. I think that is a thread that carries through the whole movie. Mm-hmm. It's funny because I feel like we're being a little hard on this movie, but it just feels like it does so many things right that when it does something that I don't like or like leans into that that aspect that's yeah. like that's just like grates me. That it's just like, it feels like twice as rough because it's just like, dude, you know what you're, it's like, you should know better. (laughs) Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. Like this scene, I think the, the strongest offender of that for me is the scene where she's like suddenly talking about like 
ideas for bad movies or something and i'm just like dude you have to stop <laughs> yeah yeah there are like, a few self-referential things there too yeah it's just like yeah you get these ideas for movies and you know they're bad but they just eat up your time and it's just like what are you talking about <laughs> what are you saying? Yeah. <laughs> i think you're leaking yeah. in a little bit yeah 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 that i think especially that second car scene where i yeah. start to feel that yeah yeah i agree with that because i did genuinely enjoy it start to finish yeah but Seeing, again, like you said, seeing what worked so well in this movie and seeing what has worked so well in his past movies, it mm. did feel like, what are you doing, man? Just yeah. like, cut that out. Cut, exactly. cut that Cut that line. Do another revision. <laughs> like, yeah. It's pretty good. Just needs to be tightened up a little bit, you know? Yeah, I um, I felt the same way about, I felt similarly about how I felt about the dance, how like I, I actually enjoyed it, but it just it doesn't need to be that long. <laughs> yeah, and it's right. The, the same thing with... um. The segment, and I think the second or third car ride where she's talking about like how she doesn't like this movie, and it's like she's right. she's talking in this like voice that's not hers and is very hoity toity. And I'm just like, mm. I like that. I like the experimental use of dialogue and like the, the the strange, like nearly fourth wall breaking thing, but maybe make it about something that isn't movies, like in a movie, right. and also maybe make it like five minutes shorter because it's it's so <laughs> long. Yeah. I agree with that. And it I really, definitely agree with that. It's just, it makes its point and then stays for so long yeah. afterwards. And it's just, it, it really, that, that might be, that also might be my least favorite part of the movie is just like, it, I just, it's the same thing with the dancing from Oklahoma. It's okay. I haven't seen a woman under the influence. So like the next seven minutes, I'm just like diddling my thumbs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. That's, that's how I felt. Yeah. But yeah, I think it did do things very well. Yeah, I definitely enjoyed it a lot. And I think the big takeaway for me was that it was a very good, I guess, thriller that approached it in a very unique way. Mm-hmm. Because that whole, the, the whole farm scene, like my heart was pounding. Like you just <laughs> feel like there's something fucked Wrong. up that's going to happen. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think it used like a lot of, of fresh ideas to get that feeling across. And I think for that reason, it was really compelling and a lot of other, and it looks great. I thought it had a lot of original cinematography too. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think it was a, it was a, a solid movie that could have just been tightened up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, and there's a lot of symbolic stuff that I liked that even though you could maybe argue was a little blatant, I think that it like has enough ambiguity to it that, you know, you could say it's blatant, but I bet if you asked like 10 people, they wouldn't come away with the same idea of what it was supposed to be. Yeah. So right. Uh, I like uh, specifically. I really like when they arrive at the high school, and he like when she enters the high school. Just outside, you see the bin full of like the frosty uh, drinks or whatever the hell they got. The yeah. Burrs. I was about to say that. Yeah. And I really like that because it's like, what could that mean? It's like, I for me, I felt it, like it was saying like he's he's done this before with yeah. with other women, and he it's like it's ended the same way every time. Or but it. It, 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 even without like such a specific reading, it just felt like it was like, okay, we've been here before and we've done this before and it feels kind of doomed. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that too. It almost, to me, it almost felt like like discarding memories and yeah. like just going over the same thing over and over and over, like an obsession. Yeah. 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 So I agree with that too. Yeah. It's like, okay, clearly this is symbolic of something, but it does, you can read into it different ways. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot too. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, anything else you want to add? Uh... Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, okay. I'm going to make a quick addendum to like what I said or, uh, a minute ago about the scene 
where she (laughs) was talking in the other accent. You know, I I don't think that you need to have all the information to like a scene. Like, just because I haven't seen A Woman Under the Influence, I don't think that scene is worthless. Yeah. Because I think that it has information about the characters. But I think that because it's the third of three car scenes where there's been a whole bunch of other dialogue that has explained a lot about their characters anyway, and we kind of already know all these aspects about these characters that's coming through in this dialogue about A Woman Under the Influence. Yeah. I don't feel like I get anything new from it. And I also haven't seen a woman under the influence. Right. So it just it's it's kind of like the cherry on top of just this. It feels really superfluous to have that scene in there. I agree with that. I feel like that with uh, I felt that way about a lot of the times that they brought in where he brought in like these outside like books or that movie. Yeah. It's like this is a little much. Yeah. Like I'm getting like, this anyway. And that's what I'm saying. Yeah. If it was giving me something that it hadn't been present in other parts of the movie, it would be different. But it's like it's kind of reiterating the same character points in a way that doesn't engage me because I don't know the material they're talking about. Right. Right. Exactly. It's redundant. And there's that that wall in between you as well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, one thing that I absolutely loved, though, was the scene where that fake movie is playing in the movie and then it just ends it just says directed by robert zemeckis yeah (laughs) who is i guess he's actually friends with charlie kaufman and he like signed off on having his name in the movie that's that funny funny. because i I did like like that though that it came up like it was the slate for for this movie yeah (laughs) that was really funny like yeah i was like wait i know robert zemeckis who is robert zemeckis and then i googled it it's it's i thought that was really funny yeah it reminded me of um that scene in House where they have the fantasy and then the credits yes, start rolling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that. It's really yeah. good. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So overall, I think I'd give it like a seven and a half out of ten. I'd probably give it an eight. Yeah. I, I, I uh, you know, all the things that we listed, I feel like I've only wanted to list them simply because I enjoyed it so much for the most part. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, I'd I rather, yeah. I'd rather see a movie like this than like most movies that are coming out these days. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Especially like as a Netflix release. Yes. Yes. I was, I'm really stoked about that. This is like the, the one in 50 Netflix movie that reminds you why it's nice to sometimes have Netflix movies. Yeah. It's like this and then Roma, which you like should have seen in the theater anyway. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Exactly. (laughs) Like, yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, I hope we see more stuff like this. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I, I'd really liked it too. I think honestly, I think, um, Maybe the reason I have more, I've had more critical things to say than positive is I think that when it was good, I was really drawn into it yeah. and really pulled in. And I, like it was really compelling on a visceral level. And then there were those moments that pulled me out of it. And I think that's why yeah. those are, are more memorable to me, because I think in some ways, like it was so good at points that the, the analytical brain was taking a backseat and I was just really in it. Yeah. Yeah. So... I think also like with a movie like this that's so surreal, when it kind of goads you into this world that it's building, it's really good until it does something that trips you up and then it's almost like you have to rebuild that sense of engagement from like yeah. square one. <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree. It's definitely trickier with, with those kind of movies because it does, it sort of hinges on having you be in this like continuous dreamlike yeah. feeling so when it breaks it's like it, it's it it breaks immersion even more so i think yeah like you're saying yeah. because it is this feeling that needs to be built up over time yeah cool cool all righty good movie it is i'd recommend it and i will definitely be watching yeah. it again definitely recommend it yeah so man i miss the movie theater though me too 
a lot. I didn't even go to the movies like that much before, but I really miss yeah. just like the all of it. Just like going outside. It's cool. <laughs> it's nice, yeah. <laughs> Did you I, I didn't I watched this movie the other day. I watched this episode of Rick Steves Europe. That was not a movie, nice. but <laughs> nice. but I was watching it. And they had footage of these this demonstration in the middle of I wanna say Prague, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And it was just like they they were like yeah when we were protesting the government we had three hundred thousand people packed in the square and I was just like <laughs> unimaginable <laughs> never again <laughs> it's Dude, never gonna happen ever fuck. again I hate I hate that this is becoming normal in my brain like yeah. I hate it when people are like this is the new normal and I still will fight against that with every yeah. ounce of, of my being but it kind of right now feels normal dude I've been starting. I'd say well, you're 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 proud of your uh of your individuality. You're you're a proud boy, you could say. Yeah, proud man. <laughs> I'm standing back and I'm standing by. We'll see what, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Um, <laughs> um, but what the fuck was I gonna say? Oh, about half of my dreams now. I'm wearing people are wearing masks. Ooh. About half of my dreams. Yucky. It's really and like. Sometimes it's like a, a point of contention too in the dream where it's like somebody won't be wearing a mask and I'll have to be like, how do we get them to wear a mask? <laughs> it's just like so stupid. It's so base level and like fucking dumb. I hate it. I really don't like yeah, that's, it. I that can't sucks. escape. I can't I'm not, escape. I'm not at that point yet, but I, I worry for the day that that happens because I'm sure it's It's bad, coming. man. It's bad. Especially because, dude, I've just been inside so much. My job's closed still because it is a movie theater. Yeah. Um, for the for the folks at home. Um, and so that's a two for one because I right. went to the movie theater all the time. And also I work at one. Right. So it fucking sucks. <laughs> I hate it. But you're actually has. So school started for you, right? Oh, did I not tell you this? No, I'm taking the semester off. Oh, really? Yeah, it's probably probably a good call. Yeah, unfortunately, because <laughs> online school sucks. Just whack. It, yeah. it just sucks, especially if you're in movie school. You just can't make movies yeah yeah 100% doing online yeah um are we all gonna wear masks on set and shit fuck that yeah (laughs) no I have I have a few friends that are doing that one of my friends just started grad school for um he he was trying to he's doing grad school in Canada but he's not allowed to go to Canada yet good because of COVID so so he's just like yeah I'm not I'm not doing it until I can get out of my house because like honestly I imagine you're I feel like you're I guess it depends because possibly your grades could be better just because it it may be easier. But especially in yeah. a situation like you're in where you're kind of doing it f- for the grades, but also for the portfolio that you're going to be crafting while you're in school. Yeah, so like, 100%. Yeah. The, the shit you're going to make while you're in quarantine is just is just going to be like incomparable to what you could make when you have the whole school faculty at your disposal. Right. Like I could see if, if I was just going for the degree, that'd be one thing. And, and maybe I would do online in that case or i'm sure i would you know if i really didn't but film school is so experiential and it's also about like making connections with people which you yeah. just can't do on the computer yeah um you just can't do it yeah, like exactly. professors other students you just can't do it and they are doing in-person classes with like uh masks and like i don't know daily temperature checks and like all this shit which just sounds like a shit show yeah mandatory spacing too so it's like Am I going to yell fucking six feet to try to meet somebody? You know what I mean? It's like stupid. Uh, um, I'd have to take the train every day, which just seems like a guarantee. Yeah, that's definitely COVID right there. Yeah. So all those put together. Yeah, I'm taking yeah. the, you know. 
Fair Hopefully enough. by like 2023, I can go back. And- <laughs> yeah. 35 year old Nate <laughs> pulling up your diploma. <laughs> I finally did. <laughs> it's so crazy, dude. It's so crazy. Fuck. Uh, so uh, Persepolis. So Persepolis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. We're really blurring the lines between podcasts and reality here, Tyler. We're experimental. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Just Got like inspired. Charlie Kaufman. Exactly. Charlie, Persepolis. please come on. Dude, that'd be crazy, wouldn't that'd it? That'd be great. We should hit him up. I'm down. <laughs> Want to interview you? <laughs> Just roast him the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> what books have you been reading recently, Charlie? <laughs> oh, so Persepolis. Persepolis. Speaking of, speaking of books. Uh-oh. Graphic novels. Yeah. I've been reading more of those recently. I started reading them again. It's fun. I yeah. like them. Anyway, so Persepolis. Persepolis. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. All right, guys, that's the show. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought it, I thought it was it was pretty good on the border of just okay. Um, yeah, it, I can see that. I enjoyed it kind of less as it went on. Honestly, my favorite part of mm. it was the part that dealt with her childhood. I felt like. Yeah. And then it kind of felt like it kind of lacked like a cohesive thread throughout a lot of it. Like, like her character was the thread of it because it was her memoir. Right. But it just felt like besides her, there, there wasn't a lot that a lot of the scenes had in common besides just like being about her. And for, because of that, it felt like it kind of, I mean, there was a lot of stuff going on with like her identity as an Iranian, which kind of came out in like the later part of it. Yeah. And there was, I'm trying to think of how to say this. It's, I just felt like its strongest part was when it was dealing with her growing up in Iran before she left for Paris. And then a little bit of this, of the or not Paris, Austria. And then a little bit of her first part in Austria, I really enjoyed too. But it just felt like the way that it was moving along and because it was so episodic and kind mm-hmm. of like, it almost felt like memory in that like it was very yeah, selective with the episodes definitely. it chose to play. And that felt like it played a lot better into the feeling of like childhood where Mm. like you only remember these like specific kind of developmental parts and you don't always remember everything that happened to you. Whereas like in the later parts, it felt a little bit like I wanted like a little more. I wanted a little bit more of developed story and it felt like it didn't quite have that for me. Yeah, I mean, I'd imagine it was probably shortened um, from probably even the comic book would be my guess. Yeah. I don't know that that wasn't really uh, an issue for me. Personally, I think I think the thing I liked about it is that the animation allowed her to tell a story that was clearly, quote unquote, like unreliable. Like she was an unreliable narrator, but it was clear. Mm-hmm. So I, I liked how the animation allowed her to retell her story visually from a, a very subjective standpoint. Yeah. And the part that I loved the most that I think pointed that out very well was when she's recounting the relationship she had with that guy and friends. Yeah, yeah. And she goes through it and like visually and the way she's telling it, it's so beautiful and nice. And then when they break up, she goes over those memories again and it's, it's drawn completely different. He's yeah. like a slob. The way that she tells the story is completely different. Yeah. So it was cool. It was a cool way of like acknowledging the personal bias in memory. Yeah. And I liked how you saw a lot of exaggerated imagery and things that she was remembering to convey the emotion that she experienced at the time. So that that was cool. It was a cool way to tell a memoir because I feel like the animation really helped show the personal aspect of it. 
Yeah. And, and was a little more flexible than just like telling this, retelling the story or doing like a reenactment, doing like a live action thing or something like that. Yeah, I, I, the, I think this would not be able to stand as well without the animation. I think the animation yeah. really helped it along and also just helped with like the passage of time and how things were presented. I really liked how, um, I think probably maybe my favorite moment and, and probably favorite shot too. I, I love when she's shopping for the tapes. Mm-hmm. trying to find like uh, american the paraphernalia in our yeah, room from yeah, all these right. guys who are selling like they're wearing trench coats and they're selling like illegal american music and stuff yeah and i love when the two older women come over and their robes like completely blot out the background so she's just yes. like surrounded and they have this um like I, I think one of their hands is on her shoulder so it's just this white hand like grasping her shoulder and it's just all yeah. inky black besides that i that i love that moment that's Me a fantastic too. moment i love that one too i like how serpentine their bodies become too yes where it's just <laughs> yeah. like their face is like combined with these black cloaks they're just like slithering around yeah um, that yeah. was sick I mean, yeah. that was that stood out to me as like the best moment yeah and I actually, I thought the voice acting was really good. Yeah, Especially for the main character uh, in that moment too, when she's like pleading with them. I, you mm. know, I, I don't understand French at all, but you know, I yeah. felt like she was probably doing a good job. <laughs> but, <laughs> it's no, sometimes tough to know with, with it, movies it, you're yeah. reading subtitles. It, it is a good amount of time, but like you could, I could tell that it felt, it just felt like true. It felt good. Especially in that scene, I felt like it's shown. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's a lot of history, too, that I actually didn't know going into this. It was an interesting, like, learning about what happened in Iran and how it really wasn't as oppressive as it is now. Yeah. And there's a lot more freedom before the revolution. I had sort of known that, but it was, it was like, seeing this specific story made me understand it a lot more, I think. Which I'm sure is one of the goals of the movie, too. Yeah. Is to show, like, what happened there from a first-person perspective. Yeah. I really liked too that the that she showed characters like bragging about being part of the revolution who like didn't actually do anything. Yes. Like it I was, love that too. It was suddenly trendy to be a revolutionary, so yeah. everybody wanted in on it. Yeah. Like and that's the, an interesting thing that like you wouldn't really think of. Yeah, that it's like all of a sudden I think she said the line is something like overnight everyone was a revolutionary or something like that. Yeah. 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 I yeah, I really liked that. I also liked in the beginning when she's learning about like the uh, how the Shah was instated and like the history of Iran, basically, mm-hmm. like her, it's her dad giving her the information. So like we as an audience kind of learn the information, not only when she learns it, but like from the same source as her, too. And that being yeah. her father, I thought was a really nice just usage of like character exposition that actually really fueled the piece instead of just being like an exposition dump. Yeah, I agree. It felt natural, I think, because yeah. exposition is sort of an, a necessary evil. Yeah. But I think they found a, a good way. Until you said that, too, I didn't even think of that. Like, it didn't stand out to me as like, oh, they're just telling me the history. Mm-hmm. Like, it did. It felt genuine and, and fit with the plot well. So I like that a lot, too. Yeah. And I like that they switched the animation up slightly for that sequence, too, where they're mm. doing the like the history of um, and the, the way that the... They're all like a little more tweened. They they have like a puppet feel to them, the people who are moving yeah. in that part. Yeah. And I also really like that even though I have no idea how to speak French, that I, you could tell that the British guy from that flashback or like from that historical scene is like doing a really, really botched French accent. Like he Oh, yeah, have, yeah, yeah. Like he has a horrible accent and he just yeah. sounds really British. I thought that was great. Yeah. Try to think about what else I like. 
I like just the style in general, like the shadow silhouette mm. style. It's cool because that's where animation really started was these like silhouette um, cartoons. Yeah. And so it was cool. It was like a modern version of that. Yeah. So I like that a lot. And the color segments too were beautiful, mm-hmm. like the present day stuff. And I like that it was used sparingly um, because when you got to that, it felt like it, everything was just so much more vibrant and you really felt that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think. I liked um, the, I, I like that she fell in with the, um, well, I like the development of her relationship with those like punk characters. Mm-hmm. Although I felt like actually some of my least favorite moments of the movie were when she was having those explosions that felt kind of like, like when she freaks out on the punk characters and then also freaks out on the girls who are making fun of her for being Iranian. Mm-hmm. I felt like they were just like really quick, like climaxes to these character developments that felt like a little forced in. I can see that. Yeah. But but I do like the development overall with that group because I feel like that's like a classic story of just like, oh, she's an outsider and she fell in with the outsiders and then they, they learned from each other and like developed as people. But then like it turns out that like she gets, you know, they're from like completely different worlds and they're kind of like right. self-made outsiders who have like these very first world problems and are just like, I need to be different and I need to express right. myself. And so I, I'm going to have this mohawk or I'm going to like read Nietzsche and then she's this like refugee <laughs> from this yeah, war-torn like, country yeah and they like think it's kind of cool too yeah like that's sort of why she's accepted because like yeah. oh she's a refugee wow yeah like, just like us we're that and then yeah they go back to their countries for Christmas and like <laughs> yeah yeah and it's she's clear they're there. all from privilege yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And I like uh, that too I, I really like that like I feel like a lot of times that when like nihilism is brought up in in pieces it's only like that first part of nihilism that like all edgy teenagers like which is like yeah there's like (laughs) no meaning to it really yeah and it's just like but they're kind of like she's like the second half of it where it's like no the like the life is unpredictable but you have to like fight and have the principles that you like craft for yourself and the the principles that like that come from you know what's developed you and there's that nice you know moment which i do think is a little rushed but i like the sentiment of where it's like he's saying like you know there's no point to any of this and she's like so and she's saying that like everyone who died back home that she loved like died for nothing basically like that's what Mm -hmm. she asks him and i like that that it's like that having gone through like that tragedy and trauma makes her feel like there's more reason to like go after things and and like try and fight to have like a better life yeah, I like that too. And I think it, it fits into how they are like self-made outcasts and that in having this easy life, it's it, he gets to say that, you know, oh, nothing mm-hmm. matters. It doesn't matter whether you live or die because he, he hasn't had to fight for survival and doesn't know yeah. that that basic like human feeling of, of needing to survive. Mm-hmm. He hasn't experienced that. So he just has no clue. And it's just a cool idea to him, you know? Yeah. yeah. So I like that a lot too. Um yeah. I think maybe most of my issues with this movie probably come from just pacing and maybe like what time was allotted to what aspect of things. Mm-hmm. I think with the way that it jumps around, like what I said earlier, is is cool because it works in that same vein as how memory works. But I feel like, like I said earlier, it just works better for me when she's a kid because that's what childhood feels like. But then when she reaches that point of adulthood where it's kind of supposed to like condense into something more cohesive it doesn't feel like it completely does that for me yeah and it it feels like it's just a little like you know we we see that she's moved on but we don't really know completely how or so besides the fact that she's decided to go back 
and and pursue um, life outside of Iran again. Right. But we don't really get to see much of that. And I, I felt like the way that she got out of her funk was a little rushed in that, like, she goes straight from, like, the, like, suicide attempt to, like, just, like, being like, all right, yeah, I didn't die. It's, like, time to fight back. Yeah, that and was, was just, like, corny to me. Yeah. I agree, yeah. It just felt like we didn't get to see her, like, think her way out of the funk, but we saw her, like, think her way into it, and it felt a little on Yeah, and she's kind of, it just kind of, like, flips. It's just, like, a, a switch that flips, and it's just yeah. not how that happens. Yeah. Um, <laughs> unless you're, like, having an episode. Um, <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> one thing that rubbed me the wrong way a little bit was the the bit with, like, the psychiatrist, and, like, it just seemed a little, it seemed a little, like, anti-psychiatry to me. And that she like yeah. gives them, I mean, and, and, you know, at the time it was more rudimentary. I think people were like over prescribing medications or less alternatives, but it seemed like, oh, like she took this medication. It's like, oh, it made my world way worse. And it's like, okay, so stop taking it and try something else then. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like that's a misconception you see a lot in general is that, oh, I tried antidepressants and it made me want to kill myself more. It's like, okay, then it, it didn't work right for you. Like, that's yeah, not what a, they do. Like, that's not yeah. what they're supposed to. They're not supposed to just numb you out. Like, that's not, if they are working, that's not what they do. Yeah, I think it's a combo of, like, how, like you said, rudimentary it was in that time. And I think also there was a tidbit when her, I think her uncle is dying. And she's the, her grandma's, like, speaking about how they have, like, a window washer running the hospital now. Right. And that I think that, like, the society is kind of a little chaotic and that like nobody's really where they need to be because they've completely flip turned the whole system of hierarchy basically or like uh, based on right. you know the new fundamentalist rule which is basically like you know how how much do you love god that right. much right. there you go and right. um but i do think that for that scene like even with that in mind i do agree with you that there is a little bit of just like like that segment combined with the segment after where she just like lifts herself up out of the funk is like yeah it's just kind of like okay it feels a little self-congratulatory and also a little bit just being it does feel like it's treating uh modern medicine a little like witch doctory where it's just like, yeah and i felt like a an inaccurate portrayal of just how you would get through something like that too yeah it was that's the thing is like, so we get the indication that she's pulling herself up by her bootstraps, but we don't even really see her do that. We just see like this montage, which I did like that she was like, <laughs> I did like that she was singing a shitty version of the montage song like that. Yeah, that, yeah. that definitely made it more palatable for me. And I yeah. enjoyed the segment on like that purely like surface level entertainment aspect. But when it comes to like how that filters into her character development and the overall progression of the plot in the movie, it doesn't, it, it really doesn't do it for me. Cause it's just like, it doesn't feel developed. It feels like it just happens. Yeah. I felt like a shortcut yeah. to get to the next part. Yeah. I didn't really explore that part too, too well, yeah. which I felt like was an important part of it too. Yeah. It's like her, it's a lot of it is about her coping with this, with this world that is trying to oppress her. And it, you know, it just sort of is like, I'm not going to let that get me down. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, it just seemed a little dishonest. Yeah, that's 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 another example of something that I feel like worked well for the childhood aspect, but then didn't really flip at all for the the adulthood segment. Is that like she, you know, yeah. she like thinks she's a prophet in the childhood segment, which is like a funny way of 
showing like her coping with the strangeness of the way that she's being brought up and just you know her religious right. background and such it, it it feels like it makes sense and it it works as a coping mechanism in this charming way that ki- children's minds kind of operate anyway and then right, right. it's kind of just like you so you also see yourself as like a prophet in adulthood which i think is a little bit of yeah. a simplification of that scene obviously yeah but, yeah yeah but it is kind of like it's just again, it's something that works really well for the childhood segment, and then just does, it feels more like a crutch in the adulthood segment. Yeah, I can agree with that. But uh, yeah, I, I I I'm trying to think of like I feel like this this was a bigger movie when it came out that I'm remembering because I feel like I don't know. I wonder if this if this is like influenced anything or something because it feels like very the way that it's presented feels very like individual, feels very specific to this movie. I don't know if I've seen a movie with this kind of like specific animation presentation before. Yeah. I mean, like we were saying, like it's definitely influenced by that, by those early, um, like silhouette animations. Yeah. Yeah. But in this way that is sort of like cleaned up and, and modern animation, I feel like I haven't, uh, really seen either. And this is another thing that I was saying about Sin City. Although I read this little thing from, from Frank Miller and I think it was a, a dark Knight. Dark Knight Returns, I was just reading, where he's just like shitting on the film industry. So maybe he didn't have much say in that movie after all. Um, <laughs> but I like that uh, she was able to adapt her own comic book, at least partially, into a movie. Yeah. Instead of having it be taken by somebody else. Um, and I think this style of animation works really well. Yeah. As an animated movie. Yep. Yeah, I really liked... There were, there were some nods to the old animation style too like when i think at the end of the segment where they were trying to beat up that kid because his dad was involved with the secret police and then it shows like the black circle like the looney tune circle like closing it on her face she gives like a kind of look like i like stuff like that i like that too yeah that's funny i also really liked that segment of that that part with the kid because in the scene beforehand you have that really like upsetting um and realistic feeling scene of the dad or the no the uncle coming back from prison talking about how he was like beaten and his friend was killed and then yeah and you have like the children looking on and then you i i feel like it was a really mature way of looking at it because in the next scene the, the kids like she only like nitpicked what she wanted from the story and she was like mm. she was like yeah we we're get okay we all have to like what they were gonna play a game and she was like yeah the loser gets whipped with cables and she like like that's what she took from the story right of of, like this like horrible destitute story of like systemic abuse and she she just like stole the torture method from it and i really like that because i like that too that is how like children's minds like work a lot of the time is that they're very simplistic and they don't really always get the point and i i like that that felt much less self-aggrandizing in the first part of it in the childhood segment because it's just like it's really aware of how naive she was then yeah and i feel like that falls away in the later segment when i feel like her actions are still just as misinformed but she's almost like pretending as if she's less naive which i feel like especially comes out in that segment where she just kind of like pulls herself up by her bootstraps and it like gets better yeah and like, that part specifically yeah. i agree with yeah yeah i liked how in those early segments it was a interesting look at how children would cope with something that insane and the way that they coped with it was just you know trying to incorporate it into that they couldn't comprehend like the the larger ramifications so they just 
incorporate it into their their childhood fun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. As much as they can to try to cope with what's going on. Yeah. Um, and like take the seriousness away from it, even though, you know, clearly it's not, um, that's not like a conscious decision. They they still want to like live in their bubble. So they just pretend it's like just a game. Yeah. And this, uh, I also really liked that when that guy comes in for the, uh, for that scene where he's describing the torture, his daughter's there, who's um, the main character's friend. And he's like, who, she, who's this? And she's like, He's my dad. He's a hero. And then yeah. <laughs> later in the movie when her when the main character, I think her uncle comes back from prison or something. She's like, "Oh, huh. she says something about like her." She's like basically to the point of like, "Yes, no, I have a hero too." <laughs> and right. It's just right. It's like, like a competition. Yeah, yeah. It's just like so yeah. impossible to comprehend for someone that age. And I also really like that uncle character and like his kind of subplot where like he was very much in love with the revolution and and was an idealist. And then he was kind of hoping that people like him would be in charge where he was like this academic who kind of understood systems and politics. But then it becomes right. taken over by this more fanatic um, religious-based government. And then he <laughs> he was imprisoned for by the old regime for being a dissenter for the old regime. And then he gets freed and then he gets imprisoned again under accusation of dissenting to the new government. Right. Which is like just such an interesting turn of events and feels like something out of like Fahrenheit 451 or something like that. But it's fun. It's like it's scarier because it's true and it's something right. that has yeah. happened. It's bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. That the power acquisition usually doesn't go to the people who are, uh, you know, trying to think about things reasonably. Mm. Um, it's just whoever is able to uh, acquire the most power, you know, Careful. not to get political or anything. <laughs> Careful, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think I have like too much more to say about this movie. Yeah, obviously. I don't think so either. Tyler, I think I would give Persepolis uh, uh, a, a, probably a seven. I think I'd give it a, a six and a half. Seems fair. Yeah. So, Nate. So, Tyler, what did you pick for next week? Nate, I picked 12 Years a Slave, which was released in 2013, directed by Steve McQueen and written by John Ridley. Actually, it's also cool. They credit Solomon Northrup as a writer as well because he wrote the. It's his biography, so mm. it's uh, it's cool. Should be should be good. I'm excited. I haven't uh, watched a good historical nonfiction in a while, so I'm down with that. Well, I mean, we just watched Persepolis, but yeah, I mean, it's just a little, it's a little out there. It's a little different. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little different. It's a little different. Um, I'm picking the 2009 Mother. Uh, directed by Bong Joon-ho. And it is, uh, the story is by Bong Joon-ho. The screenplay is by Yoon, Yoon Kyo Park. So it doesn't seem like he actually wrote the script. Huh, but he directed it. But he directed it and came up with the story. Cool. So, and I mean, after Okja, maybe that's for the better. <laughs> no, just kidding. Parasite was amazing. <laughs> he can write. He can write and he can direct. All right, guys. Hey, thanks for sticking with us through these trying times. We're here more than ever for you. That's why we do it. We do it for you. The people, the quarantinis. Keep on shining, Derek. Don't kill yourselves, guys. <laughs> Please. At least not until this run is over, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> A lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>